When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Heidi ho Bunkerinos! It's me, your next-door neighbor, and you've never seen my face. (laughs) (laughs) Having more marital problems? How can I help? (laughs) Andy is- Do you need me to satisfy your wife? Or your husband? (laughs) You are always watching, and you're always leaving your patented little Andy mints on the pillows. (laughs) Andy mints. They're not made of chocolate, and they're not mint. (laughs) Wink! (laughs) Andy, I am so excited for today's topic. Because we are going to be taking off to the stars. Oh, my God. It's the one thing we've always dreamed of since we started doing anything since we were little babies. We just wanted to be amongst the stars. And today, we're finally doing it. Um, today's topic is great for you eggheads, you space freaks, you oh, physics space freaks nuts. I love it. Um, you conspiracy heads. I mean, this is a great conspiracy topic. This is a classic one. This is a classic. This is, uh, this is a, a secret space program that's right a clandestine space operation known as alternative three that's right and it's gonna ferry all the world's elite to secret uh secret underground bases in on mars and the moon and they're gonna leave and it's gonna be like bioshock yeah and and if you're not elite enough you die (laughs) you're gonna die (laughs) well and so we could think of no guest greater to talk about this cheery, lovely topic. A bona fide space freak. A bona fide space freak. An OG bunk funker. Oh, yeah. And a, a, a purveyor of fine podcasts himself. Undoubtedly. The co-host of the Infinite Void podcast. And um, and uh, the, the, the sole host of Stranger Times. Yes. Um, please welcome to the show our good friend, Jacob Carson. What is up, guys? Hello. Hey, hey Jacob. Jacob. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for it being is, here. Yeah, it's nice to finally be here. I know we've been chatting for ages now, and I've been listening to this show since the beginning, so it's really cool to wow. finally sit and talk to you guys and see the the whole thing. So yeah. thanks for having wow. me. We are absolutely very excited to have you on the show because 
you know, you you have been listening since pretty much the very beginning. Yeah. And we uh, only had to pay you so little. Yeah. I mean, really <laughs> under market rates. You've suffered to get you so on much, show. so much brain damage over the years <laughs> listening to us week yeah. in and week out. We had to pay him to listen to the show <laughs> so he doesn't he doesn't like sue us. <laughs> Uh, but sincerely, we are very excited you're here. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, this, I mean, this this topic is was suggested by you, even wasn't it? Am I yeah, wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I've, I think I've sent like a few over the last yeah. couple of years, but they've all kind of been either space related or oh, definitely. like high strangeness. So, yeah, these these kind of things are really interesting to me because obviously there's so much information out there for it and against it so they always make like really good ch- chats yeah yeah um so so jacob obviously you know we want to we want to get to we want to let the bunk funkers get to know you a little bit and uh one, one of the things we always ask our guests is where do you fall on the believer versus skeptic spectrum spectrum and um are you more of a uh uh scully are you more of a molder are you more of a believer are you more of a skeptic i mean where are you where do you where do you usually lean with these kind of topics so i really want to believe oh, and i'm totally down to like it for it to be real but currently i'm probably more of a skeptic as i like to kind of see where the data goes and okay. take it from there but i i do want to believe and i'm totally open to hearing what people have to say or if I saw something cool, I just don't know how now, it's, to deal with it. Is it fair to say that you're like a smarter version of Andy? <laughs> <laughs> you want to actually uh, well, look at the data. Well, let's say smarter, uh, more well-adjusted, <laughs> uh, better personality. Probably cooler. Better looking, cooler, um, more presentable, better hygiene. <laughs> Are you me, but an actually functional human being? I'd say maybe, but probably a little bit more of an introvert. Okay, oh wow. wow! That's a. If I were more of an introvert, people would probably be happier. Yeah, that's true. Now, Jacob, burning question I wanted to ask: Did the libertines walk so that the Arctic monkeys could run? <laughs> well, that is a good question. I would probably say <laughs> yes. Wow! <laughs> are you are you a fan of the Arctic monkeys? Are you? I am a huge Arctic monkeys fan. I've seen them live uh, multiple times. Pushed all the way up to the front. So that um, Alex Turner could spit on me. Did you see them at Lollapalooza? I did see them at Lollapalooza. Um, yeah, push all the way. I think that was after they released their third album, which is not my favorite Arctic Monkeys album, but um, their sophomore album is my favorite, favorite worst nightmare. It's my favorite dream. I think uh, probably Humbug or... Wow. My favorite, uh, uh, yeah, favorite worst nightmare is pretty good as well. Wow. Well, I got my, uh, I got my biting UK music scene uh, question out of the way, as I always ask every guest. <laughs> but um, no, Jacob, you are, you're obviously, you're, in a, you're a UK resident. This is not, um, we didn't bring on another actor, much as ourselves, who can do flawless UK accents, much like Andy and I can. Um, and so... I guess the question is, you know, obviously the UK has had plenty of very exciting um, UFO sightings, UAP sightings. You're 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 very on top of what's going on with the kind of the UAP um, phenomenon lately, and and what's what's happening in the uh, zeitgeist. I guess you can say, have you yourself ever seen anything strange? You ever seen anything up in those skies up there? Um, 
anything at all, any kind of strange experiences? So uh, apparently I live near a hotspot in the United Kingdom near wow. Worcestershire and it has been Delicious. since the 90s, but I've not actually seen anything. I think there's a few ties to like, uh, like nuclear testing facilities and stuff within the area. So I'm guessing that there might be some t- top, like top secret stuff that gets seen. But personally, I've not actually ever seen something as much as I'd want to. I'm very, very open to. You really want to see something? Wow, I do. Yeah, I think it'd be mind blowing. What's the uh, what's the national climate like um, around things like the paranormal uh, in the UK versus say? here in the United States where we are is are people more open to things less open to uh, paranormal experiences uh, I'd probably say people are less open I think there's quite a lot of stigma in the UK and I'm not sure if it's just like everybody here is just grumpy because of the weather but I find that even like when I'm talking to my family I can spend hours talking to my American relatives about the idea of aliens and paranormal stuff and conspiracy theories, but I always find like my British relatives kind of shut off pretty quickly. Wow. And I'm not sure why, maybe it's just the, the culture surrounding it, but there's a very much kind of like, oh, he's got his foil hat on, the little green <laughs> men are coming out to play. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, in your family, are there any, um, you know, you yourself have not had any paranormal experiences, any any family history? Uh, you know, is there like a, a tale told uh, within your family uh, about a, I don't know, maybe a ghost that haunted a house somebody lived in or it's true. Uh, an abduction story by yeah, aliens? You an old country. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure, actually. Hmm. I can't, I haven't ever been told anything, but like close family members have got a massive interest in it and we have like discussed it to the ends of like what we think it is and my dad's very much into it he's like sets cameras up around in wow like places that he buys just to see if he sees anything and stuff like that so i'd say that there's definitely an interest in our family so maybe at some point someone started like messing with something but who knows very cool has, you, has your dad ever caught anything on camera that was uh otherworldly and I'm not talking caught, about the neighbor lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, he's caught a couple of like orbs and stuff, but nothing Ooh. too crazy. Okay. I remember when, um, you know, like you've probably seen them. You get like an app, don't you? And you get like notifications when there's like movement or something on one of the cameras. Right. And he gave me a login to it. And obviously because of the time difference in America, I was like fast asleep in bed. And this thing started going off that there was like some quite big thing near the front door. Oh. So I was like what could that be? So he like woke me up and I flicked my phone on it. You could just see this frog eye just staring into it. <laughs> and like it set my dad off too. And he phoned me and he's like, Jake, I think there's someone at the door. The camera's saying that there's something massive like in front of the camera. And it was just because this frog had walked so close to it. It made wow. it look like it was an actual like being or something. Like <laughs> so what did your dad and the frog do together? Did your dad invite the frog in? Well, who knows? That sounds a bit like a... Uh, TV show, if I'm all honest right, with you. Right. Invasion of privacy. I get it. I I know when to Calm stop Calm down, Andy. Quit writing notes down well, on okay, some kind sorry, of weird sorry. screenplay that you're writing about <laughs> a British man and a frog who are best friends. Dad and frog. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Frog's dad adventure. 
You've just got to think for dads, haven't you? That's it. It is. Wow, we're a couple of daddies. We are daddies, so. That's it. You just want to know what's going on with the other daddies. Yeah, we just need to find out about other daddies. Frog-related activities. Now, Jacob, you are a uh, podcast pioneer. Um, Let's let's list all the different... What what's the what's the term fucking like pots you have in the on the in the in the fire? What, is that what the term irons is? in the fire? Irons in the fire. Irons in the fire. Yeah. yeah, you put iron in a fire. Well, you can tell Art is a blacksmith by yeah. trade. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so Jacob, you have the Infinite Void podcast where you co-host with um Maddie. Your, your co-host Maddie, and yep. that's that's a lot more science, philosophy, and technology kind of a, a base show. Is that correct? Is it fair to say? Uh, yeah, we um. When we started that, it was more, it was actually going to be called uh, The Future Freaks Me Out. And it was going to be all about the future. But we very quickly realized that actually we kind of enjoyed more talking about crazy things that you can't comprehend and that it lets everybody walking away feeling quite grim about everything. Wow. <laughs> is, that, is that a Motion City soundtrack song? <laughs> it could be. Okay. The Future Freaks Me Out? I was just wondering. Talk about me I think I th- I think it is actually you know now that you've said that, wow. See, I know my music. Um, I guess so. You Great also host Stranger Times. Yep. Um, this is a relatively new uh, venture that you've you've gone into. That's hosted by you, and you go into a journey on complete high strangers. You're like, let's go, let's go to the every end of the spectrum here, and, and let's see what we can find. Yeah, it that one it was a, like a interesting one for me cuz I'd say that I've always been like massively interested in like high strangeness, UFOs, conspiracies and stuff like that. But I'd never really had like the guts or anything to kind of come out in public and like put myself to that cuz obviously there's stigma and stuff surrounding it. And when I first started making podcasts with like the infinite void and everything, and we were doing like science-based stuff, all I wanted to do was kind of talk about this kind of stuff. Cause like I listened to your podcast, uh, like hysteria 51 and all those kinds of people. And yeah. I just wanted to like start talking about that stuff, but I couldn't figure out a way. So hmm. I waited a little bit and I just thought, you know what, with everything that's happened in the last two years with the pandemic and everything, I might as well just go for it. Might as well go all in. All in, baby. So, out of all, out of these two shows, and um, I'm not forgetting any, am I? Because you have there a lot of other ventures. There, 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 there are more. There are more. There, yeah, there's a there's one called Manifesting Marvel, which mm-hmm. is really new. Oh, that's right. That that's uh, just talking about the MCU, and then right. we do some other content over at the Infinite Void, which okay. is all like news based stuff. Gotcha. That's this week on Planet Earth. Yes. You also have Space. Yeah, yeah. And that, then uh, Telescoper. Yeah. So, They're more so like a um, like promotional okay. thing. So wow. I just, you follow those if you just want to stay up to date with either rocket launch. Basically, or- you are the hub. You are the, the, the central location for any space freaks out there listening to, to follow these accounts and to follow Jacob and, and, and you, you will be in space heaven. But out of your, out of your, your 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 high strangest and and, and science based podcasts. What what are your favorite episodes? Like what what are the ones where you're like ah please check these out. These are these are the top the creme de la creme. So for the infinite void, I would probably say it's either our simulation theory Great like series we did a three parter I think or the AI series where we did five parters because. I feel like Matty 
is the unsung hero of the Infinite Void because he's a <laughs> physicist wow. and he just knows so much. And I kind of just come to him with topics and he goes away and does loads of research. And then we sit down and he just blows my mind for an hour. So I definitely suggest those ones. And then on Stranger Times, probably the episode with a guy called Engaging the Phenomena. Okay. Which you guys should get on your show if you're ever looking for guests. But oh, he okay. basically does like contact stuff. And I don't know if you've heard of CE5, but it's all about initiating contact with aliens, but like you doing it through meditation and stuff. Oh and he'll like go out to fields and sit with group pe- like groups of people and they do like seances and then lights and stuff appear in the sky and they like communicate them through med- with meditation. And that episode really blew my mind because obviously you guys know I'm super interested in consciousness and UFOs. And for me, that one was like bringing everything together. And it was, it was like a home run. Yeah, it was quite oh, mind blowing. Cool. Wow. Have you tried any, uh, have you tried any contact through meditation? I haven't. I am. Um, Cause I, I said this to him cause I do practice meditation here and there when I like get a chance, but I said this to him cause I was like, obviously I've sat there and I've tried to think like, right. Okay. If there is something there, can you appear in the sky in front of me? I'm kind of here. And the way that he explained it is you kind of have to like Google map yourself. So kind of zoom out. So where are you then? Where are like, where are you in the state and where are you in the country? Where are you on the globe? Wow. Where is that planet in the solar system? And you kind of have to send those intentions out to these like so-called beings that will kind of track onto that and come down and show you that they're here. And when he was just talking me through the process and stuff, it just was absolutely mind blowing because so many people do it. Like they have like groups of 30, 40 people that just go out to the mountains and they all sit in a circle and just think about these intentions and they show up. So I thought it was quite interesting because obviously multiple people are coming away with experiences. Wow. It's kind of like random nodding, except for extraterrestrial contact. A little bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, by the way, I, I really enjoyed your uh, random nodding episode because um, me and my partner in lockdown, we were watching quite a lot of like just random randonautica YouTube videos. When we were like going to bed at night, we'd just leave the YouTube algorithm running. And I just never really understood it. And I thought it was a bit of a confusing app with like different ways that people would like communicate to it and stuff like that. But I appreciated your episode. I thought it was a very good explanation on the app. Wow. Wow. I don't know that anybody's ever said that yeah. about anything and the, we've covered. Uh, the money, the check will be in the mail, Jacob. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That was money well spent. Um, so you've never tried randonauting. You've never done anything like that before. No, I haven't. I'd, I wouldn't mind doing it. But at the same time, I've, I've seen a lot of people have had like quite bad experiences with the app, with either like finding gruesome things or... Ew like being not tracked, but have had weird things yeah. happen to them. And yeah. I'm just like, nah, I can't be bothered for that. Okay. Now you're, you're from, you're in the UK, the birthplace yeah. of ley lines. Have you ever been ley hunting? I haven't. No. And this is actually another, and this will probably be another big surprise. I've never actually been to Stonehenge either. Really? Wow. wow. Yeah. It's, it's somewhere that I've always wanted to go and I am interested in ley lines, but I haven't really done much of it if I'm honest with you. Uh, is how big an attraction is Stonehenge for natives versus like international tourists versus obnoxious, like <laughs> loud, annoying Americans like us who come in and like pretend two, to do your accent, like two oppositely shaped Americans yeah, who come yeah, over yeah, and yeah, shout yeah, yeah, constantly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Is it more I popular for those people or for locals? <laughs> I, I Big fanny it's packs. Definitely more popular for tourists, but yeah. it does it does get quite a lot of stuff. I'd say it's popular when there's like a winter solstice or a summer solstice. Because uh, I think if I'm right, that's when like come out. the sun passes through or something, doesn't it? So they have like a bit of a, an event there, but mm. it's like next to a motorway down south right really? right a lot of yeah a lot of people can just drive past it like when really? they're going to work and stuff yeah, yeah. It's, it's like right off the highway wow. it's a great roadside attraction now wow yeah that's <laughs> um that's that's uh yeah i don't know that's that's interesting um oh, i love when those druids come out in full bloom with their axes oh <laughs> all druids don't have axes fuck those are dwarves oh god damn it <laughs> 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 Fuck. I mean, the druids, I had that queued up. druids might be wearing a wolf pelt or something, yeah, but no. why are they carrying axes? Druids would have shillelaghs. <laughs> yeah, probably. Jeez. Or clubs of some kind. Uh, staves, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, well, I fucked this up. Uh, let's start over from the top. Uh, no, I mean, um, I think, you know, Jacob, you know, I, I think there's nothing left here to to talk about other than we, we got to get to today's topic. We got to blast off to the stars we've been talking yeah. about friggin' space and all these space space freaks are all suited up they're all ready to get in their little ships and blast off with the elites off to some uh underground base in mars let's ditch this crap hole planet and <laughs> yeah. go somewhere nice <laughs> yeah like mars all right so this is alternative three here on mr bunker's conspiracy time podcast 10 9 oh, god 8 7 6 Five. Oh god, I hit the button early. Oh, fuck you. Art you and I are well known as quote unquote guys who studied comedy but clearly didn't learn anything. But I don't think that's fair. We know the comedy rule of threes, right? I mean, that's of course the rule that says if something is funny once, you can maybe milk it two additional laughs out of it. And but maybe it's more than two laughs. You know, might as well keep going way past three times and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I can't argue with that logic. <laughs> but there's just something so neat about sets of three, isn't there? The three musketeers, three blind mice, Applebee's three for ten menu. Three is just so satisfying. Even when the topic is possible solutions to runaway greenhouse effect from excess pollution on Earth. Such was the subject of a 1977 television broadcast in England, which told of secret bases built on the moon by the USA and USSR governments and a program to build more secret bases on Mars in preparation for a global environmental disaster on Earth. The TV program was supposedly a hoax, but later investigators alleged that the subject of the show was a real-life covert government program. The show has since been dubbed by at least one person as, quote, the most dangerous television program in the world, end quote. <laughs> Wait till we get on TV. <laughs> uh, this is a topic so dangerous and so English that we had to ask our pal, fellow podcaster, Bunkfunker, OG Bunkfunker, and UK resident Jacob Carson of the Infinite Void at Infinite Void Pod, patreon.com slash Infinite Void Pod, and Stranger Times uh, at Stranger Times Pod, stranger-times.com 
podcasts to join us and turn this duo into an unseasonably steamy threesome. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I look forward to lending some much-needed credibility to your show. Oh, God, and we're looking forward to that, too. We need it. I mean, we we do so Definitely. often when we cover topics about you know space or literally any other subject. People email us, they DM us, or they leave messages written in feces on the bunker door saying things like, quote, you guys don't know anything about space or you're horrible people or please just leave humanity alone. Why did any of us do, what did any of us do to deserve this? You know, stuff like that. Well, hopefully after this episode, the only thing scrawled in poo on the bunker door is a great job. <laughs> we can hope. So anyway, let's get into the topic at hand by starting with the story of the television broadcast. On June 20th, 1977, Angela TV, an independent television station broadcasting in the east of England, in the UK, broadcasted an episode of its program, Science Report, titled Alternative 3. At the top of the episode, the show declares how the intention was to investigate Britain's brain drain, where a number of scientists, the show says they compiled 400 names of scientists who ostensibly left the UK seeking better paying jobs overseas. As the report found out, though, scientists weren't just taking good jobs overseas. They were completely disappearing altogether. And in some cases, these eggheads even died. One of the unlucky eggheads featured was Professor Sir William Ballantyne, who was affiliated with the Jodrell Bank Astro Astronomical Observatory. Easy for me to say. Before his untimely demise in a car crash, Professor Ballantyne mailed a reel of videotape to a friend in the media, Robert Hendry, uh, who was news editor for the World Press Services. Ballantyne told Hendry to not do anything with the tape until Ballantyne could meet with him. When Hendry finally watched the tape after Ballantyne's uh, demise, it was nothing but static. Creepy. Ooh. Now, the program further reported these scientists were coming up missing because they were part of a covert joint venture between the USA and USSR in space. What? According to Alternative 3, space travel has been possible for longer um, than we've been led to believe and was more sophisticated at the time than the public knew. Former NASA astronaut Bob Grodin claimed during an interview for the show to have witnessed a base on the moon during a moonwalk. Grodin also said that the U.S. space program was just a smokescreen for what the U.S. government was really up to. Alternative 3 then reported that eggheads figured out that pollution on Earth was going to lead to a catastrophic climate change, making Earth's surface inhospitable. The episode of Science Report used examples of drought, heat waves, increased desertification, blizzards, earthquakes, and even volcanic eruptions. According to the show, uh, Dr. Carl Gerstein, a lecturer of physics at Cambridge, was one of the first eggheads to warn about the impacts of humanity's pollution problem. At the time, Dr. Gerstein was branded a, quote, whiny boo-hoo baby who needed a bottle and diaper change, end quote, for this warning. Uh, but eventually, uh, it came to be recognized that Dr. Gerstein had sadly been right all along. Luckily, as the program reports, the topic came up for discussion in 1957 at a conference in one of humanity's greatest centers of learning, Huntsville, Alabama. Dr. Gerstein was in attendance, and during this conference, three possible alternative solutions to the climate change issue were proposed. 
First, there was alternative one, which was use nuclear weapons to open up the atmosphere a little bit for the trapped greenhouse gases to get out. But it would also let out a ton of UV rays, which would kill a lot of people. Although, in the case of excess pollution, population reduction is a good thing. Then there was alternative two. Build underground bunkers for government officials and society's elites. The rest of us can fuck off and die. Ah, well, not us, I guess. I mean, we're already in a bunker. But uh, regardless, a bunch of non-bunked folks dying is a good outcome in this scenario. And then alternative three, the big one. The first two ideas were seen as not feasible or crazy, as Dr. Gerstein described them. So instead, focus turned to alternative three which Dr. Gerstein described as maybe not so crazy. The idea behind Alternative 3 was to move human civilization to Mars. Really, just move a good cross-section of people, letting the rest of us die off, and use the moon as an interplanetary truck stop. Headed out to Mars? Well, don't forget to stop by Big Todd's Lunar Truck Stop. We've got a crater full of beef jerky in the cleanest bathrooms this side of the Oort Cloud. Every visit comes with a complimentary and mandatory shower in one of our patented Big Todd locker room style communal showers. Need a cup of joe before you hit the space road? Fuck you! We only sell monster energy drinks, and if you don't like it, I, Big Todd, will Greco-Roman wrestle you until you submit. So come on down to Big Todd's. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's Big Todd's Lunar Truck Stop. Anyway, according to the science report, in 1961, Mars experienced some of the weirdest storms ever recorded. Afterwards, the planet had areas which may have been home to vegetation. Dr. Gerstein suggested that perhaps the USSR donated nuclear bomb, uh, donated, detonated nuclear bombs on Mars in a terraforming attempt. It's kind of yeah. a donation. Yeah, they donated them and then they <laughs> yeah. blew up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this episode, the episode of Science Report wraps up with reporters figuring out, thanks to the help from Bob Grodin and a guy who attacked the camera crew, <laughs> an unnamed attacker, um, that they needed a decoding device to view Professor Ballantine's video. They get the decoder, they watch the video, and this tape doesn't disappoint. It shows a 1962! 1962! Martian landing of a unmanned space probe conducted jointly by the U.S. and the Soviets, where Mission Control immediately sees life moving just under the Martian soil. <gasps> now, we know the footage is from 1962 because an American clearly says the full date, the 22nd of May, 1962. He also says that if they uh, ever, quote, take the wraps off this and, quote, it's going to be a big deal. Obviously, these were some sensational claims made by the science report. And as it turns out, the whole thing was just an April Fool's prank. It was designed to be a successor to the Orson Welles 1938 War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Alternative 3's credit list, the actors and writers involved in the production, British musician, composer, producer, etc. Brian Eno even contributed music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? My alter ego, Artie Emo could have done a pretty good job doing the music for this too. And you guys are in for a fucking treat because I brought along a demo tape from wow. one of, from, from, from my band, Promise Rings and Broken Dreams. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, I did a little, little demo tape as well. So uh, here you go, bunk funkers. 
Spaceship is waiting. The engine's firing, begging to be used. And so are you. The space mission is leaving you to on the surface of Mars, where the hidden secret bases and fresh, non-polluted air. You left me here on Earth. Now I'm really fucking sad. I'm looking up at Mars and the moon. Wish I was good enough for alternative three. <clears throat> so, you're welcome. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty stunning that RE Emo didn't get a call for that. I know, Jacob, that's what I'm saying. Anyways, yeah. apparently, Alternative 3 was supposed to air on April 1st, but for some reason, possibly a labor dispute or scheduling SNAFU, the show didn't end up airing until June 20th. Oh, my God. They got us good. An April Fool's prank in June? Wow. These absolute prank kings at Angland TV. And they didn't just get us. They got lots of people got got. Yeah. <laughs> They got lots of people got got. Now, after the... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> after the broadcast, Angela TV received many... What? What is it? Angela TV. Is it... What is it? Anglica? What is it? I, I think I said Angela at the start. What is it? I'm not it? even sure. Anglia. Oh. It's in East Anglia. <laughs> All right. Um, well, after the broadcast, Anglia TV... But I'm going to call it Angela TV. Okay. Received many, uh, received many and more phone calls from concerned viewers who needed to know much, who needed to know much and more about this nefarious scheme. The viewers were told the broadcast was a hoax, but that didn't make Alternative Three any less popular. Though broadcast only once in England, the program was broadcast in other countries globally. A book based on the screenplay, written by Leslie Watkins was released in 1978. And there were some slight changes from the show. For example, the book attributed some of the quotes made by fake astronauts during the TV broadcast to actual real-life astronauts. According to some, such as author and researcher Olaf Phillips, Alternative 3 was banned everywhere it aired. Allegedly, an attempt was made to bring the program to the US, where it was rejected by censors. It's also... It's not censors, sorry. It's seniors. It's also been said that no master copies of Alternative 3 have survived, nor have any contracts or legal documents surrounding the production, leading some to speculate that maybe this is more than a hella sick prank. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I don't know. Well, you know, famed hacker Gary McKinnon sure thought so. In 2001 and 2002, McKinnon uh, prolifically targeted U.S. Department of Defense and NASA computers, allegedly 97 computers in total. Wow. And he hacked the shit out of them. He was even credited by U.S. officials with pulling off, quote, the biggest military computer hack of all time, end quote. Meanwhile, Andy, you were personally named the biggest hack of all time by all the people who have ever been in contact with you or seen you perform or consume any media with you in it. Uh, truly, I brought the world together in mutual hatred of everything about me. 
You're welcome, Earth. Well, and let me tell you, as Earth's spokesperson, we are so grateful for you making us all feel better about ourselves through your own ineptitude, Andy. I'm finally getting the recognition I deserve. Mm, That's true. Now let's get back to recognizing this story. And McKinnon claimed he did all this hacking in hopes of finding evidence of extraterrestrial uh, visitation and free energy technology that the government had kept under wraps. While he didn't prove that ETs are sneaking into our bedrooms at night and tenderly probing our anuses, uh, what he did allegedly find was evidence that Alternative 3 was way more than a joke. McKinnon's first piece of evidence was a spreadsheet. Uh, Okay, I got to stop you right there. Case confirmed. If it's in Excel, I'm buying. (laughs) Maybe you should look up from the open face toilet because the next part is important. So pay attention. In the spreadsheet, McKinnon found the names and ranks of some of the U.S. Air Force officers with some other information about ship-to-ship transfers. The content didn't seem unusual, but the names on the file were. It was the titled Non-Extraterrestrial Officers. McKinnon didn't believe that this was a reference to extraterrestrials serving in the USAF, which would have been pretty freaking rad, but rather a reference to human officers serving somewhere other than Earth which is also pretty rad. Another strange thing about the spreadsheet is that the officers and the ships named in the sheet didn't seem to actually exist. Now, McKinnon also said he went to Building 8 at NASA's Johnson Space Center to see if he could find evidence that NASA was airbrushing UFOs out of space photographs. McKinnon was inspired to do this because former NASA employee Donna Hare uh, claimed that that's what was happening in Building 8 in the 1970s. Hare also heard from other NASA employees that Apollo astronauts, who were supposedly the first humans on the moon, saw man-made structures and spaceships on the moon when they got there. Hare's testimony was similar to that of Sergeant Carl Wolf, who reported seeing photographs of a base on the dark side of the moon at a U.S. National Security Agency facility in 1965. Additionally, Wolf said there were scientists from a wide variety of nations at the U.S. government facility. During his Building 8 hacking exploit, Gary McKinnon said he got access to an open computer and found file folders labeled raw and uncut. Whoops, I I mean raw and processed. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, in the Uh raw folder, McKinnon said he found an image of a cigar-shaped object over Earth's northern hemisphere. Possibly a craft used in an alternative three type operation. Not to burst your cigar shaped balloons, bunk funkers, but unfortunately, Gary McKinnon didn't retain any of this evidence through a screenshot or anything. So we really only have his word to go on. Oh, uh, and also he said he was high on weed and or drunk during these events. But uh, hey, I mean, uh, I'm not so sure we could take the word of somebody who has such poor impulse control. Oh, um, uh, excuse me, guys. One, 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 one moment. Who is it? Delivery! I got four dozen body pillows in the shape of the green M&M. Oh, uh, well, we didn't order that stuff. You must have the wrong address. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, I'll sign for it just because I'm busy here, but these aren't mine, okay? Sheesh. <laughs> Can you believe that guy? Uh, what was that about? Not Well, I mean, it's like, you know, like these aren't my green M&M body pillows. 
Stop trying to force them on me, delivery guy. So you were saying something about impulse control? I don't remember what I was saying, Jacob. The point is, maybe McKinnon... <laughs> Jacob, don't question me. <laughs> the point is, maybe this McKinnon guy was onto something. And even after NASA was organized in 1958, the U.S. Air Force, or USAF, continued to operate its own parallel space program. The Air Force also had a history of developing and testing top-secret aircraft years before the aircraft became known to the public. Since NASA's founding, the USAF has pursued a number of space-related initiatives that were, quote-unquote, officially canceled or abandoned. You're right about that, Art. Here's some examples. For starters, in the late 1950s, the U.S. Air Force invested heavily in developing a reusable spacecraft called Dinosaur, only to see the project cancelled in 1963. Later, the USAF had plans for a space station, the Manned Orbital Laboratory, or MOL, which was cancelled too. The Air Force also had a project to build a, a base on the moon, even before NASA's 1969 manned lunar lander. The project was also cancelled, alleged before the base was even constructed. It was also reported that in 1989 that the Air Force scrapped a manned spaceflight program, the USAF, and had 32 astronauts assigned to the program and had built a facility to launch space shuttles in Colorado. The whole project, big as it was, was not made known to the public until 1989 in a 1989 report. Obviously, in all of these cases, the US military invested money into these schemes. Even though they were all abandoned, maybe the programs continued to be operated in secret or enough technical insights were gained to further the USA's spacefaring capabilities in ways that were not known publicly. And maybe you're exactly right, Jacob, because in one of U.S. President Ronald Reagan's journal entries from 1985, Reagan wrote that he learned the U.S. space shuttle capacity could put 300 people in orbit. 300 is a big number. It also has a three in it. Higher than I can count. I mean, I can't count to 300. Yeah, well known about you. And there's no publicly available information to suggest that the U.S. has ever had the capability to orbit 300 people. Maybe President Reagan didn't know what the fuck he was talking about because he was a senile, impotent old fuck. But maybe Reagan did know what he was talking about. Mm. In 2007, a French Department of Defense official, Colonel Yves Blin, said the French grave space radar detected 20 to 30 satellites orbiting Earth that didn't seem to exist, according to the U.S. Department of Defense, which keeps a list of all orbiting satellites. Given that these objects were not cataloged by the USA, they were likely launched by the USA. The evidence doesn't exactly suggest alternative three-type operations, but it furthers the suggestion that the U.S. government has some kind of covert space operations perhaps including the ability to put more people in space than we think. All of this might actually have led to a real-life Alternative 3 operation. Laura Eisenhower, U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower's great-granddaughter, said in 2010 that she was asked in 2006 to be part of a Martian survival colony. Not many people believe Laura, but this is exactly what Alternative 3 was all about. Bigfoot hunter and author David... Plaudies? 
I want to say, has, uh, David Palaudus has extensively profiled folks who come up missing in America's wild areas and other parts of the globe in his Missing 411 series of books. It's been suggested that people profiled by Palaudus might have come up missing because they were a continuing part of an alternative three-like project. Now, for more information on Missing 411, consult your local library or just consult our episode on the topic. Bunkfunkers, maybe the most compelling argument in favor of Alternative 3 being an actual factual government program is the fact that Alternatives 1 and 2 were legitimately pursued, even if not in the exact same context suggested by the Alternative 3 TV program. In 1958, the USA detonated three nuclear warheads in Earth's atmosphere as part of Operation Argus. Ostensibly, the point of doing this was to test the impacts of radiation on the upper atmosphere in hopes of creating an electron shield to wreck the electronic components of any Soviet missiles headed toward the good old U.S. of A. And maybe it would blind their radar so we could fire nukes back at them and they'd be none the wiser. <laughs> LOL. Get wrecked, Khrushchev. <laughs> and we covered in our episode on the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, or HARP, uh, some people believe the ionospheric heater, why'd you give me this paragraph, <laughs> in Alaska is a continuation of the attempts made with Project Argus. And hey, maybe Edward Teller, the famous egghead of the H-bomb father, was a real-life inspiration to Dr. Carl Gerstein in the Science Report's Alternative 3 episode. Teller was an early believer in climate change dangers and even warned about the greenhouse effects at the American Chemical Society function in 1957, the same year the fictional Gerstein supposedly addressed the Huntsville, Alabama conference. Teller also advocated for putting a cloud of aluminium, I should say aluminum for your American oh, listeners. Oh no, please say aluminium. <laughs> it's actually the proper way to say it. Okay, well, a cloud of aluminium or sulfur ah. dust in the atmosphere to block sunlight to ease global warming. Uh, chemtrails, anyone? <laughs> I'll take one. <laughs> Ooh, one for the table. If you get some chemtrails, I, I'll share. share. I'll, I'll share. share. Okay. Yeah. Teller further suggested that humans detonated a nuclear bomb underground on the moon, which would free water trapped inside the moon, allowing humans to colonize the satellite. That's kind of alternative three-ish. Now, as for underground installations to house the power elite, these already exist and have for a while. There are more than a hundred of these types of sites just in North America. Some of these bases are huge and have matching infrastructure, with some, for example, being serviced by their own railroad lines and being home to their own hospitals. There's also places like the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, which has a wide variety of non-modified seed species, which are cold stored underground. And let's not forget the Denver International Airport, which has extensive underground tunnels, which some say are for baggage and personnel, but others say are the future home of the New World Order government. Hey, check out our episode on the Denver International Airport for the whole enchilada on that topic and all those, those, those tunnels. Let's drop another log on the alternative is real fire. Leslie Watkins, the author of the novel based on the Alternative 3 screenplay, said after the book was published, he received numerous letters telling him that the show and his book had basically been accurate. These letters, uh, these letter writers and said alternative, said alternative three was real and provided evidence. Watkins set out to write a non-fictional follow-up book, 
but quit working on it after he felt he was being monitored by intelligence agencies. Oh, well, now let's drop trow and take a wet skeptical dump on that alternative is real fire. I mean, we got to put it out before we leave the campground, the conspiracy <laughs> campground. That's true. What are skeptics saying about this topic? What do they think? Well, in typical skeptical fashion, people with no sense of wonder <coughs> like Andy find it pretty hard to believe that an operation as massive as required for Alternative 3 could be kept completely secret. To them, it stains credulity? Yeah. It seems incredulous. Strange credulity. You're, 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 you know what? You write like an elite who is going to be on one of these fucking shows. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope I get recognized for this beautiful writing. It stains credulity. Uh, it stains their credibility to believe that dozens or hundreds of rocket launches could, could take place, ferrying personnel and supplies to the moon, and nobody would notice. Or that all this stuff in space wouldn't be noticed by the amateur astronomers all over the globe. Or by nations who don't particularly like the USA and which also have satellites and telescopes and which would be able to detect such objects. Or that the likely thousands of people involved in such an effort would, uh, you know, just keep quiet, uh, both at the time and in the intervening decades. There are also questions about funding for an alternative three-style endeavor. While the U.S. military has a long history of so-called off-book expenditures for secret programs... The amount of quiche needed to build a base on the moon and a colony on Mars would be astronomical. Thank you. Good night. Is it really believable that the U.S. military could set aside that much money for this type of program rather than spending the funds on things designed to kill all humans? Further, is it believable that Andy wasn't waiting this entire episode to drop that awful pun on us? I'd rather die on the barren surface of the scorched earth and listen to another one of Andy's jokes. Well, then I've got good news and bad news because both of those things are coming whether anybody wants them or not. As the earth moves inexorably towards the demise of its habitability, so does this episode move inexorably towards its conclusion. It seems fitting at this time to share the words of the writer of the Alternative 3 screenplay, David Ambrose. The answer is beware of the media. There is an obligation to every viewer to shift through evidence being fed to them and to make up their own mind if they accept it. My advice to viewers is keep your wits about you. And so it is true, bunk funkers. Keep your wits about you when consuming media. Just because a couple of hunky podcast co-hosts and their hogged out gigachad friend claim they're going to deliver, oh, I don't know, the entire chimichango or something on a particular topic doesn't mean you should believe them unquestioningly. That said, what I just described sounds like a good way to get information and, wow, very enjoyable to listen to. Regardless, bunk funkers, there's only one option at this point. It's time to suit up, strap in, and blast off to parts unknown to fill the infinite void, the infinite void podcast at infinite void pod, in our mind tummies with the ultimate in international collaboration, the whole enchilada.
Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our research of Alternative 3. And with us still is Jacob Carson. Hello. Um, listen, guys, here's the thing about this topic. Uh, not really sure it's relevant to today's to today at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it you know I don't think there's anything happening in the news recently that like this program turned out to be so off base on everything. Yeah. It's just clearly a hoax. Kind of weird. They didn't know what they were talking about. Um, I mean, here's the thing, Jacob. Well, first of all, Jacob, UK resident, did you ever see this program? Have you ever heard of this program? Do you know anybody who knew this program? I hadn't seen anything wow. really. Well, I hadn't watched this program until you guys had somehow managed to find the uh, video on YouTube that somebody had managed to upload to it. We but, it. Yeah, I, when I watched it, it it was very interesting because it, it they do quite a lot of like fear mongering in it, don't they? Yeah. It's very <laughs> it's very like the end is near kind of thing. Yeah, and you know I it's so it's funny to me because the program itself, like they actually it was well well thought out. Yeah, because it actually the climate change stuff turned out to be pretty pretty much right. Yeah, you know, like it. I don't. I don't know what climate science was like at in 1977, um, you know, because I was zoned out at yeah, the time. You were checked out. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was uh, living in uh, on the smallest Hawaiian island, um, which is which one? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Little Hawaii, is what I. Oh, right. um, I was. Um, you know, uh, locals thought that I was some sort of a, a beast uh, because I lived with my two pet pigs. Um, Winky and Mr. Porker, and uh, they thought I was some kind of a pig man mm -hmm. um, because I was always covered in dirt and eating truffles constantly. Yeah, um, and we truffles just, native to Hawaii, of course. Right? Yeah, they're out there. You just got to know, bring the pigs, and the pigs will find them. <laughs> and um, yeah, I lived in a pineapple under the sea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you lived very akin to SpongeBob. And uh, you had a neighbor who was a squid, and your best friend was a goofy, aloof starfish. No, my best friends were the pigs. Okay. Uh, I put them in, like, little uh, wetsuits, oh, and they had Jesus oxygen. Christ. And we would come up to All the right. surface every couple of days. Um, so I don't know really know what the climate science was every like in 1977. That's why you didn't know what the climate science was yeah, like. Yeah, I had a lot going on in my life at the time. I have a question. What do you, So this is very akin to War of the Worlds. Right. I, and I can't, I don't really know. I, I think it would be interesting to look at like other hoax and doomsday programs that scared a fuck ton of people. Because I, I, I don't know of many more other than these two. What do you guys make of these? Like, do you think that these are cruel? Are these cruel? Like tricking people into thinking that it's obviously these things, these, these programs 
uh, are are put forth as this, as if they are real and true and factual. And every time that happens, people freak out. What do you think? It's 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 a weird one because like I think they're cool because they are essentially doing what they were like made to do, right? Which would probably be to freak people out or have people sitting on the edge of their seat listening to what they think's going on. But I think it's interesting that the approach that gets took with them, like whoever's broadcasting it decides to put no disclaimer wow. in front of it to yeah. freak everybody out. Yeah, I I agree with you, Jacob. I, I think that, um, you know, although to, to David Ambrose's point, I do think that there's some, you know, as a view, as a consumer of media, you do have to exercise some discretion too um, because like War of the Worlds was was a book you know, before Orson Welles adapted it for radio play uh, in 1938 or whatever. Um, And like this alternative three, I don't know how anybody else feels, but some of the acting, some of the stuff that happened, it was like, okay, this is, this feels over the top to me. Like, you know, if I had been watching that live, I go, I guess I don't know exactly how I would feel, but me watching it now, I guess I have the knowledge that it's, that it was supposed to be a hoax so yeah. maybe that colors my consumption of it, but I had that feeling where it's like my BS detectors are kind of going off, Ugh. you know? Ugh. Is that why your nipples are so hard? Yeah, my <laughs> BS detectors are going off. Oh, Jesus. There's kind of that thing where it's like it's like that meme of uh, Buster from the Arthur cartoon that's like, would people just do that? Go on the internet and lie like that? Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like, it's a little bit of that, but it's also like, I think they're a product of their times because- you know, in the war of the world scenario, people listened to the radio and they believe like they believed everything. That's how they got their news. That's how they got everything. Yeah. That was their connection to the outside world. And so like they couldn't even fathom the idea of like somebody doing a hoax like that. Cause it's so, you know, and the same thing I think maybe with this alternative three, it's like, you know, if the television is telling you it, I mean, I don't know. I think with late seventies, you kind of have to be maybe a little bit more savvy where you're kind of like, all right, Plus, Science Report was an established like docu series, yeah, uh, that did actually report on scientific things. Well, so. then that okay, that that changes my opinion a little bit then, because if this is something that's known for doing true things, yeah, they also completely missed the mark of April first, right? Yeah, yeah which they, really that that really hurts that it's in April. But you know, at the end, they did run credits, and all of the people are listed clearly as actors. Uh. I mean, you know, I know people don't watch the credits, but I mean. How are you ever going to see your favorite comedians' names when they're in something if you don't watch the credits? Or my favorite key grip number two. Yeah. Or gaffer. Yeah. Um. So there's I a lot of a, yeah. I think that's another good point though too, because like, say if this kind of show aired on like Twitter tomorrow, but you had all of the like really. I was, I was trying to think of like a, a well-respected, well-renowned news place, but I can't actually fully think of one off the top of my head. But <laughs> the BBC? Some, yeah. The Sun. Oh, sheesh, sheesh. <laughs> the Sun. So let's just say one of them comes out and it says this and it's all over Twitter. Like, would people believe it like in know. this day and age? Because I think as well, like you guys were saying in the 70s, like people were using like the television or the radio for their like place of news and if you've got like a thing like scientific report or science report which as andy was saying is like 
known for reporting on science and stuff and the way how they opened it with it being all about climate change and everything. I could understand why people would think it was real, especially if they're not going to be like interested in it for the entire time. Do you know what I mean? Like if they've switched it on, watched the first 10 minutes and then been like, Oh, that's freaked me out. Or they've gone out of the room or something and the rest of it's (laughs) carried on. I could understand why a lot of people would, would freak out, but yeah. For me, joined- for me, it was the acting that kind of gave it away. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I tend to. And agree. I was not a fan of the uh, audio either, how they kept the mixing of the audio. Like, why is he standing outside of an airport just to talk about the airport and the plane's taking off? It's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't agree more with everything you just said, Jacob. Um, but it, do, it does like, I mean, it, in a way, it's like it's a good it's a good April Fool's prank, but you got to release it on April Fool's. Yeah, I mean that's the thing yeah. is like that execution point of it. Just yeah. like it's kind of like well, I mean they did a good job, but then it's like well that kind of that kind of really muddies the water. Um, so the idea of this this program is that uh, global elites are can be ferried off and go and, and colonize another planet and leave Earth to fuck off and die, uh, much akin to like a Bioshock kind of scenario, which maybe is is getting into a little bit of i think bioshock was kind of based on atlas shrugged the original bioshock and i don't know about the other ones but uh that this like all the smartest people and the the, the top the elites are going to go and create a uh i don't know what you would call it a, a tech, utopia a utopia or like a but it, it's not like an oligarchy or a, a technocracy or there's something to that where it's like the smartest or at the top or something. I don't, I don't remember, but um, oh, the, there's like a runaway society thing as well. Yeah. There, when, mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you guys, if given the opportunity to, to go aboard uh, Jeffrey Bezos's or uh, Sir Jeffrey Bezos, Sir Jeffrey Bezos um, or Elon Musk's different spaceships to go colonize a new planet, would you do it? Let's say, let's say there was open casting, you know, uh, somehow Andy gets past the medical screening. Unlikely. <laughs> and really the, also the, the, the mental fortitude. I'd be winded filling out the forms. <laughs> Let's say you guys can get past all that and you're cleared. You're given the green light and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they kind of come up to you and it's like, all right, this is your last chance to say no. What do you guys say? You going to go colonize a new planet? I think I would, yeah. What about, what, what about you guys? I know I I have I'm not surprised at all yeah. by that answer. Jacob um, is a true space freak. Yeah. Um I would want to know how comfortable I'd be. Um Jeez. if it's going to be hard at all, I'm out. Um <laughs> but let's say things here are getting real fucking bad. Yeah. Like and, it's going to get real bad here. Um you know, let's we can put some parameters on it like maybe there is we're moving towards a workless society. So you really have no fucking purpose. Um, Not much different than now. That's true. Um, uh, can I take anybody with me, or it's just me and I have to leave everything else behind? Yeah, actually, that's a good. That's a good bit that we need to know. Are we? Are we allowed to take All stuff right, with you us? You get your partner, and you get if you obviously Andy has a child, so you can bring your you bring your you bring your kid. Okay, immediate family can come along, but you can't bring me. Mm. Ride or die. Yeah, that really does sweeten the deal. Um, I'm in. <laughs> Jacob, what about a you? A world without it? art. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I would. I think I think wow. it would be fun. Is is it? Uh, do we have to? Do we have to like survive the harsh? You're colonized. Like there's like okay, it's like an expanse type system where it's like there's bases, but like you're gonna have to fulfill a role. Okay. Where like you're the fucking 
herbologist or whatever. I don't know what the fuck you call it. Yeah, I would do that. The plant guy. They're like, okay, Andy, you're in charge of the seeds. The botanist. The botanist. Yeah. Yeah, what a, oh my God, what a cruel cosmic joke that would be to make me in charge of the seeds. Make the sterile guy in charge of the seed. (laughs) Give me a break. What? Okay. Jeff Bezos, fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, Jeff Bezos, for making Andy feel bad about his sterility. What about, what, what do you hope that your job is colonizing, terraforming Mars, Jacob? Ooh, um, can give you a chance to think about it. Yeah, I, Andy, I, I, do you have I I an idea of that. what you hope your job would be? Wow, if you had to go, if you were somehow aboard the, like I don't know, maybe they do just want somebody there so that everyone else doesn't feel bad, <laughs> or like they make sure that you're there so you're like the first one to die. The colony, I'm like the colony drunk where everyone's <laughs> like, well, at least we're not as bad as Andy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things aren't so bad. Things aren't so bad. It could be worse. We could be alcoholics too. Ugh, look at him he's a mess he just threw up on himself or just in case they encounter any xenos you're like the fodder they're like okay well everyone else will get away because it's clearly gonna eat andy mm-hmm. what would i be? i guess what i would want to be is security really because that's got to be an easy job right you think yeah I limited think so, limited andy. number of people they can't come from anywhere else what am i gonna do watch the door who's showing up on mars <laughs> that'd be a cake job. i don't know i would kick, not i put would me never, in the little guard shack outside the no. colony kick my feet up i'll watch no. my little tv you are not thinking clearly enough what if there's a <laughs> mutiny of some kind people start freaking out at how hard it is to terraform this planet they start regretting their decision there's no way to escape they're stuck underground oh yeah in these ships and they start going Stir crazy. You know what I do? I pick up my little red phone and I go, General, get the National Guard in here. And they're like, okay, it'll be there in a week. The Space Force. It's gonna take it's gonna take a week and a half for them to get out there. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I think I I would never have guessed security would be your first fucking option. What would you think it would be? Chef? Yeah, I'd, I'd say you could be the work cook. In the kitchens? Yeah, I could work the in the cook. kitchens. Probably all freeze-dried food anyway. Can't yeah. get fresh, fresh produce yet. We still gotta grow it, so. Yeah, I could add water to stuff. <laughs> okay. Let me figure that out. I think I would probably go with maybe being like a driver or Ooh. like a, Ooh. or something like that. Because at least then, Operations. if you are having like a bad time and you are in a little bunker on Mars and you don't get to see anything, at least you kind of get to drive around on Very the surface and like wow. crazy stuff and look at it. You know, That's a great point. I can tell you from experience that driving a golf cart through crowded people is a very fun experience. You get honk. <laughs> There's a lot of power involved with it. Um, you know, famously, I carted Chance the Rapper and his entourage through a crowd of people and then dropped him off <laughs> in like the middle of the crowd and told him like, "Go over there." <laughs> That's a true story. Uh, <laughs> wow what a story uh, what would your job be Artie oh god that's a good fucking question I'd be so useless thank you I'm glad I thought of that question uh, probably like uh, the king of the bunker hmm. <laughs> king yeah you're gonna be the first one to die if there is a mutiny yeah that's it's, true because it's all because of your oppressive mm, rule I wouldn't be a happy. botanist I have no green thumb no love for plants um, god I can't fucking drive I haven't driven a car in like eight years Jesus, what the fuck kind of skills do I have? I don't have anything. Um, You could be... Yeah, I don't think you can come to the colony. I think they you might just... Be, I think they might just be have the to voice ta- on the tannoid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the annoying fucking overlord voice. I, I, I say the daily announcements. Yeah. And you could like wake people up as well. You could be their alarms. Like when they're all in their like personal things. I think they would have to like take out my fucking organs and turn me into like a Ridley Scott version Android where all my insides are milk. Ooh, that'd be cool. And uh, that's it. I would just be an Android. I think that's the only way that I'm useful on a, uh, I think that would actually be a pretty good book, an android on Mars that's struggling to find his purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And then the big twist of the reveal at the end is that he's actually human. And he's just just me. He just struggles to relate to other people. (laughs) He's just been wearing a shirt this whole time that looks like android components. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think about like the movie Moon with um, Sam Rockwell and uh, redacted Kevin Spacey. Uh, and I think about like that where it's like, yeah, I I could probably do like, I'd probably be like a worker. Like, honestly, like that's all I could really, unless, and like, unless I can contribute to like high level functions, I really can't do much else. So yeah, if they want me to go like move fucking space crates around and like go terraform some rocks, I forklift operator, I could do some forklifting. Anyway, thinking, thinking about that, I wonder, uh, as bit off topic but i wonder if in the future like they'll have that kind of thing set up like you know how back in the day people used to have to do like national service and stuff like that maybe like Uh one day in the future young people just get shipped off to mars to help build it get drafted into the mars yeah yeah they do like a little tour (laughs) oh wow their little bit and then they get to come back and live off their ubi or something that would be fucking wild that's proper dystopian though that isn't it yeah that is proper dystopian i would say yes i would agree with that um well, let's get into the topic at hand here because, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff, obviously. I mean, you know, Jacob, you, you're you a big, you're you're a fan of like SpaceX and a lot, I mean, you truly are a space freak and, and obviously, you know, people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are kind of like pushing, like they're trying to push the space agenda to get us back in, out and into space. And I mean, SpaceX has launched... Um, you know, I, I watched a bunch of their fucking rocket launch. Where what did they do? They did the first successful, like they launched a rocket into space, and then yeah, the the like thing the first detached. One, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, it was reusable, and then it detached, and the the it didn't use like all that like uh gas or whatever they used to fucking power spaceships, and it like landed safely, and then they attached the uh, International Space Station. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and then um after I think after they did that so two years then last year they did that first manned one where i think it, um, it was crew one or crew two i think yeah. and, and then blue origin when, is is bezos's thing and that's like that's his flagship that's like humans in space emperor bezos's flagship emperor yeah bezos. blue origin's a bit of a weird one though because they're like going more so down the tourism route even ah. though they're they're trying to get nasa contracts for like the Artemis missions and the Mars missions, but I think it's more like SpaceX that is signing those ones. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think it's it's no secret that Elon Musk has quite a few defense contracts under his belt, and yeah. uh, those are worth a pretty penny. So, from that perspective, as somebody who really, really, really knows a lot about um, kind of these space ventures that's going on, what's your kind of take? Over the, do you think that maybe there is any inkling that these guys could be trying to do something like an alternative three in any capacity? I'm not sure. I 
I I'd like to say yeah, but I'm honestly not sure because you'd think at the same time with these kinds of people, they do have massive egos and like Elon Musk does not shut up on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's just constant. And it's the same with like people like Richard Branson, uh, Branson when he's on the news and stuff like that. Cause he's just all about himself. And yeah. I often do wonder that if there was like an, a secret agenda, like alternative three, would those people be able to kind of keep that secret and not like allow their egos to get in the way? That's a good point. So, I'm not sure, but I would say that if there was, it would probably be more so with the governments of the world than with like private companies or billionaires. I think maybe the companies might be hired to build the things, but I don't think I, I don't think that people like Elon Musk necessarily have that. If that makes sense, mm, yeah. Like this could be one of those situations where the government is contracting uh, with things like um SpaceX or um what's uh what's Elon's company Tesla? No, no, yeah. the space one. SpaceX? SpaceX. Oh, it's SpaceX. Well, what's Be- what's Jeff Bezos's space company? Blue Origin? A oh, Blue Origin, okay. Whew, I'm confused. Jesus Christ. This is a lot for me to take in. But, you know, the government's contracting with, you know, like private space companies and they're, you know, producing these these crafts or technology or whatever it is. Uh, and then what we're seeing is these launches, the space tourism kind of thing and all that. Yeah. Uh, but then really the government's like taking their research, using their technology and then covertly using it to build some kind of a, yeah. uh, you know, interplanetary way station on the moon. I can't yeah. help but feel that like, yeah, they, they are like letting people like Elon and, and, Bezos and the Bransons, like who are doing, have uh, an unimaginable wealth, and who are who are brilliant engineers. I mean, uh, you know, however people kind of feel about Elon Musk or even Jeff Bezos and some of his practices, they're fucking unbelievably intelligent people. Um, you know, and uh, letting them do kind of this like early legwork. And just say like, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll pay you a bunch of money, but you give us all the research, all the documentation, everything. You do kind of the early legwork and then we'll come in later once it's all ready. You've gone through all the processes because you got to think like a private business like SpaceX, you would think, I mean, maybe not. I think when certain companies kind of get to that size, they can be, I don't even know how big the team at SpaceX is. I'm just saying that I think private a private company can, build and and go faster than like NASA can or like yeah. government. That's why they One, contract out that work. Yeah. 100%. I was um recently uh, this week, actually uh, SpaceX put out like a uh, tour video of their star base that they've just built in Texas. And that's going to be the place that has the starship, which is that like giant uh, Chrome one that kind of goes up, glides in the air and then belly flops and lands back down. Yeah. And um, when they were walking around that, uh, the, presenter that was walking with him started asking him questions like, ah, oh, can you talk to us a little bit about the space force, like contracts and stuff that you have. And Elon actually said in that interview, when he was like walking around that there are like certain hangars and certain parts that he's not even allowed to walk into because he doesn't have the clearance and he's what had to hire fuck? people. Yeah. He's had to hire people at SpaceX 
to oversee certain areas because wow. obviously just because he owns it, he still doesn't have access to it. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting because I was I was under the impression that like, well, it's his company. Surely he could ask what's going on my rocket. Wow. But I think that that is something interesting to think about. And as well, like I wonder if say something like alternative three is real. Like that's the ultimate fuck you, really, isn't it? To Jeff Bezos. Like let him waste billions of dollars on trying to create a space program just for him to stream it. And when he lands there, them already be there waving at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bezos sends a record, a uh, rocket to Mars and there's already a colony there and they're like, yeah. gotcha, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, that's, that's very fascinating, Jacob. And I'm, I'm glad that yes, somebody with uh, your See, credibility, yeah, credibility and knowledge can kind of shed a light because, um, I just, you know, the, the part of this that's so fun, again, kernels of truth is like, how the fuck, how the fuck am I supposed to know if there are colonies on? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I can get a, I can get a decent telescope, but like, I, I don't think I can beat out the Hubble's, you know, I don't think I could beat out NASA's telescopes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could get a good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take my butcher's word for it. <laughs> and there's, there's always that's arguments for like, uh, against it too. Do you know what I mean? Like. Because obviously like, the moon doesn't properly rotate, does it? It's kind of stuck in a fixed orbit. So you right. only ever see one side of it. So there's always that the argument that, oh, there could be something on the other side. And there's not many public telescopes that, no. are, that are available to the public to allow you to even look there. And right. like, I think when I was doing a bit of research on this thing, they were saying, weren't they, that like there's one crater on the dark side of the moon that has like four or five American and Russian like landing points on it and they're all like within the same crater aren't oh they oh my god yeah it's like they in in the alternative 3 broadcast uh tim britton there's like a there's like a cut out of the moon and on the light side of the moon there's all these like flags put in where there's been landings of either manned or unmanned craft and then they turn it over and on the dark side of the moon there's just this one little spot on the dark side of the moon that has american and soviet flags in it wow the moon's ass. Yeah, right uh, in the moon's asshole. So, I mean, and that's the thing is like, when was the last time we ever land? We 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 went back back to the moon. Is no off the top of your heads? Uh, I think that the it's last like, manned mission to the moon was in the seventies, right? The late seventies. And the, and the I, reason why we kind of don't go back there is because we're like, well, there's nothing there, and also it's fucking hard. Yeah, it's like there's it's a it's like diminishing returns at right. this point. It, it's more costly to do it than what can be gained and by doing that it. that is very kind of, you know, it kind of gets the radar going. Cause it's like, would you really, would you really know if they were sending something to the moon? Like, you know? Yeah. And th this is another thing too, that I think about with like the whole secret space program thing. Cause like, obviously NASA have just recently announced that they are going back to the moon with the Artemis missions. I think, I think it's 2025, but it might have been moved back to 2030. But they're obviously uh, collaborating with SpaceX. I think there's another one. They've got Boston Dynamics, which is that robot company, right. and then Blue Origin. And I think Rolls-Royce are actually oh doing something God. with them too. And they're basically developing all this technology. They're going to have uh, this one thing's called Project Gateway, which is actually going to be like a launch platform on the moon for like bases to come back and forth. They're putting an international space station in the orbit of the moon. So 
people can go to the moon wow and then either do research on the surface or go into the orbit of the moon to do like microgravity experiments and stuff like that and then they also want to build like a sustainable base on the moon and they've got like a 10 year plan for it but my questioning to that would be is like why why go to the moon and then do nothing with it for 50 years and i understand that a lot of people always say like oh well you know this is the pr side of it they're doing this to help make funding and stuff for it but like i just don't understand why if we did have that technology why we would like waste so much money building things that sometimes don't even work to try and get back there and it would be it'll, i feel like we're also moving into a time now where there is private companies that can kind of go without any country being like yeah and that could probably be stressful too because i can imagine if you were running alternative 3 you probably would be shitting yourself a little bit if people <laughs> like elon musk and everybody were like oh i'm going to do it and i'm not telling you what our date is yet because we want to surprise people we're just going to be on mars before this time yeah, or yeah. Like, hand it out oh, shoot, to the, where are they going to land hand it out to the highest bidding country yeah you know something like that but um yeah that's a very interesting take um Oh no, so the space the SpaceX spacecraft that was on its way to Mars got lost and yeah. never made it. Well, anyway, let's all forget that ever happened. <laughs> this has been me, the US government. Thank you. Good night. I'm trying to think of what what global elites would even want to go on this venture. Because when you think of global elites, you think of the tippy top of society. They live a, la a life of luxury. And this is not, this is not going to be luxurious for a long, long time. I mean, it's going to take a long fucking time to like make a bunker on, like, it's so different. Like you, you would have to create artificial gravity and artificial atmosphere in order to live on Mars. Very, very much like the show, The Expanse. Yeah. Um, well, they say, don't you know. they, that um, third generation people on Mars uh, will be born with yellow skin, will have bigger body frames because obviously there's less gravity, so not everything's being crushed down, and will actually have bigger eyes because there's less UV, so you need bigger eyes wow. to be able to, to mm, see. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you know, um, CRISPR are looking into that as well. You know, They're thinking about how they can like assist with pregnant people in space, especially when we go to Mars, because obviously like a woman's uterus isn't built for the gravity of Mars and there could be a lot of like birth defects. So oh, they're looking wow. into like how they can genetically change like babies and stuff so that they can be born suitable to the environment. Hmm. That's very interesting. That's fucking fascinating as shit. Yeah, I guess it's you don't... Super sci-fi. I guess I would have never thought about something like that, but how do you give birth on Mars? Exactly. Or in space where there's no gravity. Yeah. Boy, that would be a mess. Boy. Yeah. You got to be celibate when you go to space. You can't fucking space. Yeah, no fucking and space. And really, what else do you want to do in space? I mean, there's if, nothing else to I do. I go up in space. What are the two things I want to do? I want to fuck. I want to, and I want to shoot like peanut butter and toothpaste into the air and like then catch it in my mouth. Yeah. That's all I want to do in space. Art and his famous tubes of peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw crisps. Up into the air like Homer Simpson and then fly around and eat the crisps. Yeah. I want to use that uh, that space toilet that, you know, harnesses the vacuum of space to just like, yeah. thrust your shit out into the yeah. wild blue yonder. Oh, my God. You know that they bring the liquid urine back to Earth? <laughs> yeah. You probably are super into that. Why do they do that? 
Is it for is there a scientific reason? Why do you want to pollute space with piss? What's going to happen? It'll just freeze. Ah. They let the shit go out. <laughs> they just, it's like the toilet. You sit on the toilet. You strap yourself in. Literally. Which you love. I know. Oh, baby, get me one of these at home. And then it just, it opens up the vacuum of space. And it goes out. But it collects your pee. So it literally sucks the shit out of your ass. <laughs> well, you shit. But then it. Yeah, boy, that's gotta feel weird. It probably does feel weird, but also good. I'm imagining like a airplane toilet, but I'm probably way off it. <laughs> I think it's the same kind of concept. It's just a lot more uh, aggressive. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know, Andy, why they fucking wh- bring the piss. Why do they bring back? jars of piss back from I, outer space? I don't know. I guess. I guess what you're saying is most astronauts are incels. I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, number one. And number two, there was that one astronaut that wore a diaper. So I think these I well, think these astronauts are kind of piss freaks. Uh, she, uh, didn't she go a little wild and uh, try to kill somebody? Oh, yeah. She yeah. drove like cross country. Yeah, she was driven. Um, well, that's, that's fun. Um, if anybody out there is an astronaut, former astronaut, Buzz Aldrin, if you're listening to this, let us know. Why <laughs> do you bring the piss back? Uh, Buzz Aldrin was one of the astronauts credited with uh, some of the quotes in the uh, 1978 um, Alternative 3 book. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I imagine if he sees Leslie Watkins ever, he's going to punch him right in the face. You ever see that video? Yeah, that's what he likes to do. He's very aggressive, and Mm -hmm. he's going to beat the shit out of you one day because you've challenged him on this podcast. I have challenged him on this podcast. Uh, What other What other points do you guys want to bring up about this this story? Is there any other talking points you kind of want to get to before we we run to verdicts? I want to say just quickly because I checked about the about the piss situation. Wow, (laughs) this is the research we need. So apparently, um, they don't actually bring it back to Earth. They bring it back to the space station if they're out on walks or if they're doing lunar walks because they recycle the pee into drinkable water because wow. they can't take a lot of water to the space station. Huh. What if they're on like, um, you know, like, like the USA has had its space shuttle program for a, a long time. Like did astronauts on the space shuttle, they were just drinking their own pee. I think so. It says okay. here that, um, Today's coffee, um, today's coffee is tomorrow's coffee is the slogan in the kitchen. <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. Oh, wow. That's great. That's cool. I think I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I was really not looking forward to the physical rigors and the long, you know, time away from home. But if I could drink my piss every day, it's starting to sway me. <laughs> there, uh, there really is something very fascinating about, about being... drinking your own piss. I agree, Art. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Any other points you want to get to, boys, before we uh, maybe jump to verdicts here on Alternative 3, where you can also expand some more? But uh... I, I have to say that I do think that it's interesting that Alternative 3, uh, this whole idea of like a secret space program that's um, working to colonize another planet... Um, this is one of the few where I've actually seen people who believe that that's happening. Um, and they say things like, well, you know, there really is no evidence for it, but <laughs> like the clues are there. Yeah. And so yeah, we kernels. need more research will undoubtedly lead to this being true. I, th- I think it's, I mean, it's interesting to me that this is just one of those times where like even people who believe it are kind of honest about like, well, yeah, there's really no evidence that actually proves that this is a thing, but um, we still believe it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the same as you. I think one thing that 
is kind of interesting about it is like there is a real worry that maybe we could wreck the earth's climate or we are wrecking the earth's climate so <laughs> yeah. I, I like i like the story to it like it could be very real do you know what i mean yeah. and it's it's not completely out of the realms of like completely possibility ridiculous. yeah 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 but it is one of those things that makes me think too like who does it also serve like you were saying because it's not fun for the elite so is it just really really rich people that are terrified about losing everything they have on this planet so they just want right. to take it somewhere else right or is it more so kind of like a like the film 2012 scenario where actually it's everything's on the horizon is, <laughs> yeah everything is too late but maybe we could spend the last little bit of the economy we have saving a few people wow you know i'm this has all got me thinking like art maybe i don't want to go to that colony on mars yeah, why is that, Andy? Because what if it's just like a big Amazon fulfillment center? <laughs> and all I want to do in space is drink my own piss, but they don't even let them go to the bathroom <laughs> at Amazon. <laughs> so how can I drink my own piss if I'm not allowed to go to the bathroom? <laughs> it might turn out maybe, to be really bad. Maybe that's <laughs> Jeff's way of getting like his worker bees ready. Maybe he's like, <laughs> we'll, we'll test it in Amazon now. And if people don't mind not going to the toilet, wait until they go to space and they have to drink their own piss. <laughs> like, which would you rather? <laughs> would you rather never go to the bathroom again or drink your own piss the minute it comes out of your body? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, fascinating theory within a theory here, Andy, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I guess it is it is time for us to get to our verdicts here. And Jacob, obviously, you are a well-versed OG bunk bunker, so you kind of know how this goes. But um, you've got the bunker scale in front of you. And, um, you know, we can kind of kick it off and then throw it to you, dealer's choice here. But uh, we're going to give our verdicts based on the patented, scientifically accurate bunker scale of plausibility. And um, we're going to let the bunk funkers know what we think on uh, alternative three. Um, Andy, what do you think? You want to go first or? Yeah, I will. I will go first. Okay, then we can um, kick it back to you, Jacob, if you want. If you want some more time to ruminate. That sounds good. Kick it over to me. So for me, um, I don't know. I I, I kind of, um, you know, it's like I, I do believe people saying that the original alternative three science report episode was supposed to be a hoax. It was supposed to be an April fool's yeah. prank um, that almost in a serendipitous way led people to believe that there was some truth behind it, more truth than anybody probably involved in the production of it intended. Yeah. Um, that said, there's not really a lot. I mean, it does, it does strain credulity to believe that there could be this, huge uh operation going on and nobody would notice anything and there would be so many people involved and nobody said anything over the years so i don't know i don't necessarily like find the evidence of this large scale colonization secret space program to be super compelling but on the other hand do i think that that the governments of the world are probably doing clandestine space-based operations sure i think our government here in the usa does all kinds of clandestine stuff that yeah. they don't ever want us to know about and they never intend for us to know about until it's you know fully realized probably already in action and it's just 
here's the fact now. You can't do anything about it because it's already happening. Right. Um, so on that sense, there's I think there's some truth here, you know? Okay. Kernel of truth. Kernel of truth. The classic artism, kernel of truth. Are we going to get red or green for Mandy? I'm, I'm very curious to see. I don't oh, know. Oh, boy. I've been, wa- I've been, I've been bouncing. I'm, you're waffling. You know? You're flip-flopping. Um, but I think overall for like the, the concept of alternative three, I'm going to go plausible minus and a half. Okay. And I'll tell you why I'm there is because I really don't think that it's, you know, alternative three to me is really about this large scale colonization thing that's been happening in complete secrecy. Yeah. I'm just not so sold on that, but right. that said, I'm, I'm closer to green than not at all. It could be closer, but okay. I, could, I mean, but I'm saying not at all. Yeah. You know, I'm like somewhere near plausible. I guess for you being plausible minus as, and a half, this is pretty, pretty freaking close to the green yeah. for me. Um, I think there probably are clandestine space operations going yeah, on. And who yeah. knows? Maybe at some point this, we do find out like, Oh, they actually do have some sort of, operations on the lunar surface or something right. that nobody knew about. I don't know that it's going to be as complicated as a base or that there's an underground manned bunker. missions yeah. or that, you know, Ed Teller detonated a nuclear bomb under there. Um, or at the very least a big old stinky fart. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Teller went to the moon and took a big shit inside the center of it and it unlocked some things inside the moon. Um, so I'm plausible minus and a half. Fair enough, Andy. That's your verdict. Uh, Jacob, the floor is yours. You can throw it back to me or, Take it and so, give a slam dunk. I'm going to say, in regards to alternative three, I would probably say I'm not fully buying it, and I would probably <gasps> go with plausible minus minus. Whoa! Just because I'm I'm on a similar wavelength with Andy that just like this big scale operation probably hasn't happened with all of the governments of the world working together because it just seems as well like in the reality that we live in that that just seems very, very difficult to do wow. with everybody kind of hating each other. But part of me does think that this is happening somewhere, maybe with governments mm-hmm. or like individual programs. And I'd probably say it was more so kind of like something like interstellar or something like that, where maybe they might have sent something to a planet to check it out, but it maybe yeah. doesn't have humans on it or it's a full blown right. colony. But I'd say uh, plausible minus minus for alternative three, but saying that too, maybe that whole UFO phenomenon could be these alternative three ships coming back and forth too. There you go. Um, All right. Well, that's a great verdict. That's a great verdict, Jacob. And that just leaves uh, little old me. Um, I actually think I'm going to be the odd man out here. I'm going Plausible plus plus. Wow. I am fully in the green on this one. I think that this plan probably exists in some capacity. Listen, I'm not going to shit on David Ambrose here. Okay. The guy who wrote the screenplay for Alternative 3. Yeah. The idea of like uh, us fucking up the world and the global elites leaving is not fucking unique. Uh, Wow. Jeez. I mean, geez Louise, what a fucking hack. Um, (laughs) No, but it's not like this like, oh, whoa, this is fucking far out there, dude. It's like, no, it's pretty... Like the expanse has a, a, a storyline that's akin to that fucking Bioshock has. It's like, you know, it's that's there's probably plenty of other media that I don't know about that, uh, um, you know, delves into this kind of world. I mean, the idea of the quote unquote elites of society hoarding all the resources. This is very cyberpunk, very dystopian. 
Yeah. Classic. Not not anything at all like the world we live in today. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But, you know. So far from reality, it's hard to even imagine a world where a small number of people concentrate <laughs> the vast majority of wealth in any given jurisdiction. I I kind of disagree. I think that a, a plan of this scale can be put into action, and it's just taking incremental steps to get there. I think that, um, you know, the like we the U.S. Air Force has had plenty of experimental planes that nobody fucking knew about those planes until well into their existence. Like dinosaur. Like dinosaur. <laughs> um, I have, you know, obviously there are, there's like, there's so many fucking satellites up in space. What do we know what any of those, maybe one of those, a couple of those satellites are for clandestine uh, alternative three-esque research. Um, perhaps world governments kind of are working together on some of this stuff in more ways than we think. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that the blue origins and the SpaceX's of the world are uh, maybe leading. The, I mean, hell fucking one of biggest Jeff Bezos's biggest uh, contracts early on in Amazon's career was uh, a huge contract with the CIA for Amazon web services. So <laughs> it's like there's wheelings and dealings going on here, folks. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that this plan probably exists. And plus, you know what? Gary McKinnon, he found a fucking spreadsheet. And spreadsheets don't lie. Wow, yeah. I've never seen a lie in a spreadsheet before, and I pray to God I never will. You know what? I'm going to give also an extra verdict here, and you guys can as well. (laughs) I'm kind of plausible minus and a half on Gary McKinnon. I don't know much about him. If he did pull off that hack, that's a pretty fucking impressive hack to pull off. Um, you know, he's a, he's a boner fide hacker. He's a boner fide. He's a fucking chugging iron brew and, uh, having himself a hack. He's Scottish. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that's my verdict. Um, I don't know if you guys want to say anything on Gary McKinnon. I, I did, I, I did mean to maybe bring that up. Um, I guess if I, if I have to judge his, like, did he like his evidence, for this cover-up, it's pretty low. Yeah. But... Didn't take any screen... This guy is a world-round hacker, and he didn't take any fucking screenshots or download anything or, like, package the data in a way that... Uh, I mean, maybe they didn't have this in the early 2000s, but, you know, hackers can easily, easily, especially nowadays, you could package all the data from a hack or whatever, your files, and then upload them to, like, a kill server that, like you know, basically is like if you like a thing where it's like, if you don't enter in the passcode every 30 days or something, it like pushes that out to like a bunch of different sources. Yeah. yeah. Um, something like that. So maybe they didn't have that back then, but I would think anybody with the, with the skill to hack defense networks would also be able to know what they're doing. Like, wouldn't just be like, Oh, sorry, I was drunk. It's like, dude, you know what you're doing. Like this is, this is a, felony this is you are going to prison for the you're going to fucking guantanamo bay dude like (laughs) yeah he snuck into a government facility and started hacking computers and Uh, edward snowden linked a couple of things and now he had to move to a whole different country and start a fucking new life (laughs) yeah i mean i'd be like plausible molecule on gary mckinnon just because i think he was an actual hacker like that's my understanding is that he actually was a hacker but as far as the connectivity to this right case it's like eh, i don't know that he actually did that stuff yeah i'd agree um, 
Well, those bunk funkers are our verdicts on alternative three. Let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Mm. Jacob, you got any good suggestions? Anything uh, you can think of? Uh, uh, piss in space. Uh, piss in space could be good. Piss in space. <laughs> piss in space. Piss in space. Let us know what you think. And um, before you do that, though, please, please check out Jacob Carson and all of his different ventures. Um, Jacob, please go ahead. The floor is yours. Plug away. Let us know what you have going on. Yeah. So really appreciate you guys letting me come on your show. As I said at the beginning, long time listener, and it's awesome to finally speak with you guys. It was a bit weird at the start listening to the intro because I was like, oh shit, I'm coming in now. So that was fun. <laughs> You're an <laughs> but Thank you again for that. And I love everything you do. And I hope nothing but good things for you guys out of the future because we deserve it with the amount of effort that you put into your episodes. Such a sweet and if anybody enjoyed some of the stuff that I had to say, uh, if you're into like high strangeness and UFO stuff, head over and check Stranger Times out, which is at Strange Times on Twitter and at Stranger Times on Instagram. They wouldn't let me have the R on Twitter. And then if you're into science and technology and AI and all that kind of fun stuff, go and check out The Infinite Void, which is at Infinite Void Pod on Twitter and Instagram, where we try and do either every other week or... I'll drop loads of content at once and then go quiet for a couple of weeks. But right. yeah, thank you. And all of that is available also on YouTube. They have a great YouTube channel where you can see uh, Jacob and Maddie uh, discussing uh, Infinite Void uh, topics. And uh, you know what? Uh, YouTube is very difficult to link to. They don't make that very easy. So you could just, you know, probably just YouTube search Infinite Void Podcast. And yeah. and Jacob, you, you're, you have a link tree that's true. That's linked on your Twitter handle. That's right. That makes it super easy to get to these things. Uh, what's your What's your like personal Twitter handle? That is a very good point. It is at Jacob E. Carson. So there you go. Jacob is also a very gifted and great designer. So if you also just love uh, good good web design and good graphic design in general, uh, you're going to enjoy uh, the different things that Jacob has to post. So. Uh, please go check out Jacob Carson and all of his different ventures. Um, and then after you do that, maybe if you still have time, you don't have to. You can check out, uh, you know, MrBunkersConspiracyTime.com. Uh, email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at MrBunkerPod. And if you feel so inclined, you have the means to do so. You can join the Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash MrBunkerPod. Now to... Yes, that's right. Two extra episodes every single month of our Patreon-only show, Andy and Art Debunked. Um, you're getting two extra episodes every single month. Well, um, one episode of Debunked and then another well, extra content. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you're there's getting, more content. You're getting extra episodes every single month. Yeah. You know, and uh, we're, we're making it fun on there. You get access to the Bunker Discord where you can chat with Andy and I and Jacob. Jacob's on there as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can... Um, what else? You get the bunker newsletter and there's a bunch of other bullshit as well. So uh, check that out. Uh, free pictures of me and Art sent to your phones, whether you ask for them or not. Um, Jacob, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, do you have any last words before we blast you off in a fucking space? <laughs> no, it's it's been my pleasure and hopefully we can do some more collaboration in the future. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. This is not this the last great. that you've heard of the wonderful Jacob Carson. 
And Jacob, Thanks, if you, if you, it's not the last you've heard of us. You're going to have to block us on all forms of communication <laughs> yeah. to get rid of us. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. Uh, oh. One quick thing. Oh. Mr. Bunker is going to be on. Oh, well, you both are going to be on my show as well. So keep an eye out for that. Anybody that's right. We, uh, that's right. We, we, put the, we gave the kids the sitter. And uh, Andy and I, the two daddies, we're, we're, are going to be joining uh, the uh, uh, Stranger Times pod. And we had a very, very fruitful and fun discussion. Yeah, so everybody head over there and check that out at some point. But again, Definitely. just thank you for having me on. It's been right. awesome. Thank you, right. Jacob. Thank you, Jacob. And uh, well, no thank you to Mr. Bunker, but uh, for no, my... No, fuck you, Mr. Bunker. Yeah, that's right. And uh, for my salty grade, for my salty grade co-host, Andy mm. Hart, I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. 10, 9, 8, 7... <laughs> Six, five, four, three, two, one. Yummy. <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.